Holy One, who out of nothing brought forth everything that is, out of what I am bring forth more of what I dream, but have not dared. Direct my power and my passion to creating new life where there is only death, to putting flesh of action on my bare-boned intentions, to lighting fires against the midnight of indifference that exists within me, to throwing bridges of care across canyons of loneliness, so that I too can look upon creation together with you, and behold, call it very good. Amen. Good morning, Stone Village, and happy Sunday. I hope that all of you are well and safe in this world. All is well in my world. The Lord be with you, and let us pray. Prepare us, O God, to hear your word through the scripture of this day. Confront us with your claim upon our lives. Clarify the choices we must make if our lives are to have meaning and purpose. Help us to respond to the one who came as the bread of life, so we may know life at its fullest and at its very best. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The reading today is from Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee. And a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. The Lord has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, and to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it to the attendant, and he sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do here in your hometown the things that we have heard you do in Capernaum. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many, many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to, the, to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed except Naaman and the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be 
to God. Jesus is a ninja. He has, he has ninja-like stealth. That's what he has. <laughs> Jesus returns to Nazareth, preaches in his childhood synagogue, infuriates the townspeople, and almost dies when they try to throw him off of a cliff. Apparently, it's true, you can go home again. However, you cannot stay at home. <laughs> and sometimes the hometown boy doesn't make good. The story Luke tells is a peculiar one, full of emotional twists and turns, within the space of 16 very long verses. Everything goes downhill fast. Curiosity turns into contempt. Happiness gives way to hatred. Worship morphs into violence. Why? Jesus was center stage, surrounded by an admiring congregation, reading a beautiful passage from the prophet Isaiah about good news for the poor, freedom for the prisoner, sight for the blind, and justice for the oppressed. Every eye in the synagogue was fixed upon him, impressed by his gracious words and authoritative presence. Isn't that Joseph's son, they said? The carpenter's kid with a sketchy birth story? Who would have thought he'd grow up to make good and become a preacher, a healer, a miracle worker, boy oh boy, their very own hometown superstar? Now it's not difficult to imagine our way into the townspeople's point of view. Who knows how long they've been waiting to welcome Jesus home? to see for themselves the wonders they'd heard about, that the heavens opened up at Jesus' baptism, that water turned into wine, that diseases were cured instantly, and demons were scattered into oblivion. Surely they must have thought, if their boy was willing to peddle miracles for perfect strangers out there, he'd do a hundredfold back here, at home for his kin. But they, they were wrong. They were really wrong. <laughs> as far as I can tell, the story turns precisely when Jesus refuses to go home in the ways that matter most to the people of Nazareth. He refuses to be at home, to stay at home, to allow his home to define him. Everything goes wrong when Jesus essentially says, I am not yours. I don't belong to you. And he does this by citing God's long history of prioritizing the outsider, the foreigner, the stranger. Elijah was sent to care for the widow at Zarephath, he reminds them. He wasn't sent to the widows of Israel. Elisha was instructed to heal Naaman the Syrian, not the numerous lepers in Israel. In other words, God has always been in the business of working in the margins, of crossing borders, of doing new and exciting things in remote and unlikely places, far from home, far from the familiar and the comfortable, far from the centers of power and piety. And so if Luke's account is accurate, then Jesus is the one who pushes his own people away in this story. He is the one who rejects them. 
He refuses to abide by and embrace familial and communal claims upon his life. He is the one who overturns their notions of home and of God's place in it. He basically tells them, you can't stay where you are and expect God to hang out with you. God is on the move. God is always doing new things. God is speaking in places you don't recognize as sacred. God is privileging voices you are not interested in hearing and saying things that will make, that will make your ears burn. Can you accept this truth about God? Can you accept that God is not yours? And so what does this mean for us? Maybe it means that if the Jesus we worship never offends us, then it's not really Jesus we worship. <laughs> Ouch. Remember, the Jesus Luke describes pushed so hard against his listeners, cherished assumptions about faith, they nearly killed him. When was the last time Jesus made you so angry you wanted to kill him? When was the last time he touched whatever it is you call holy, your conservatism, your progressivism, your theology, your biblical literacy, your prayer life, your politics, and ask you to look beyond it to find him. I ask because the unsettling truth about today's story is that we, we the church, are the modern-day equivalent of the ancient townspeople of Nazareth. We are the ones who think we know Jesus best. We are the ones most in danger of commodifying him, in domesticating him. We are the ones most likely to miss him when he shows up in faces, in places we don't recognize or honor. I wonder what would it take for you to follow him into new and uncomfortable territory, to see him where you least desire to look. What would it take for you to leave home? You must understand the call of the gospel is not a call to stand still. It is a call to choose movement over stasis, to, to change over security, to growth over decay. And so I wonder, how do you refuse to let others in your life grow and change? When do you box them in into identities that are narrow and constricting? Where in your life do you silence the unfamiliar instead of leaning into newness with curiosity and delight? I wonder, do you allow the people, the people you are closest to, to become? Do you allow yourself to become? Or do you cut yourself and others off with expectations none of us can bear. For instance, do you live in a space of thinking you will always be small, weak, broken, 
insufficient, disappointing. You will never outgrow your background, your race, your family, your upbringing, your wounds, your addictions. You must always be recognizable, accommodating, domesticated, and mine. Today's story reminds us that you can go home again. You can. However, you can't stay at home. Not if the path you travel is the way of Christ. For God is always on the move, exceeding, abounding, transgressing, and transcending our safely constructed, comfortable lives. And God in Christ is always calling us to see and know life anew, to become anew. Thanks be to God. Amen. I give thanks to God for each of you, and I pray this day you bear witness to the love of God in this world. Bear witness to the love of God so those to whom love is a stranger, they will find in you a generous and loving friend. In the name of Christ Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. I love you, stoners. I hope that you have a wonderful day. And I and Josiah, we will see you soon. Bye.